Hello, my friends, and welcome to the second episode of our Artist Profile series. In our last one, I introduced you to the Christian art scholar Hans Ruckmacher and talked a little about his book, Art Needs No Justification. And if you haven't heard that one yet, you can go back and find that in our iTunes listings and also on makersandmystics.com. But this week, I want to introduce you to another figure from history whose work has had a huge impact on the way that I think about art and faith. And I think you're going to find her just as brilliant and thought-provoking and challenging as I do. But this is a lady named Dorothy Sayers, who was alive between 1893 and then she died in 1957. I came across her work several years ago, and honestly, it took me a while to really dive into her writings, only because she's so well-spoken and she's such a brilliant and deep thinker, you can't approach her work lightly. Like, you have to give yourself to it, you know? It's the type of thing where you may have to read a paragraph over three or four times before you can fully digest what it is she's saying to you. But once you get it, it changes the way you think. And we need those voices in our lives, you know, those people that challenge the way we think and bring us to the edge of ourselves, you know, and give us the opportunity to leap forward beyond where we've been. And at least for me, Dorothy Sayers proved to be one of those figures. A little about Dorothy, she was a renowned English detective novelist, a playwright, and a poet. She was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford University, which I think is awesome. And she continued to walk in that same pioneering spirit. It characterized her art and her theology for the rest of her life. You know, and uh, one thing that I really appreciate about Dorothy is that she never compromised her artistic convictions, even in the face of public opposition. And an example of that can be seen in her response to a public broadcast she did of one of her plays. I think it was around 1943, and she had written these dramatic episodes for radio broadcasts at a time when this type of thing had never been done before. And she recited or she read one of her plays titled The Man Born to be King. And in this, she presented the voice of Jesus speaking in plain modern English instead of the old King James way of speaking. And for this time period, this was completely unheard of. Nobody had ever done that before. And it sparked a fire of protest against her. People called her plays sacrilegious and wicked, but her choice also revolutionized the way that playwrights approached religious writing. And this is a pretty cool detail, but when Dorothy was facing this negative reaction from the public, she got a letter from one of her good friends. It was a man named C.S. Lewis. And he wrote to her that her play, The Man Born to be King, was a complete success. And he encouraged her to keep going despite the opposition. And he said to her, of course you'll be opposed tooth and nail by all the cultured asses who say you're only spoiling the beauty of the authorized version of the Bible. 
all the people who objected to the man born to be king and who are always waffling about reverence, but we must kill that. (laughs) Wow, we must kill that. I love seeing that glimpse into her friendship with C.S. Lewis and how even during their time, they were pioneering to go beyond some of the stuffy religious ideas of the way art and faith interact with one another. But one of my favorite writings of Dorothy Sayers, and possibly one of the most brilliantly articulated illustrations on the doctrine of the Trinity that I've ever come across, comes from a book she wrote titled The Mind of the Maker. And this gets at the heart of what I want to share with you in this episode today. But in her book, The Mind of the Maker, Dorothy compares the creative process of mankind to God's own creative process. And she illuminates the doctrine of the Trinity by relating it to the process of writing fiction. Dorothy was probably most well known as a detective novelist. She had written a series of books about a character named Lord Peter Whimsey. And so for her to approach the doctrine of the Trinity through the lens of a fiction writer, it was natural for her to use that as an analogy. But the way that she draws these comparisons is something that I think you're going to find just as incredible as I do. But instead of reading directly from her book, I'm going to make it a little bit simpler for all of us, and I'm just going to give a short commentary on the ideas that she presents in the mind of the maker. So here it is. She compares the idea of the story to God the Father. She talks about a story is complete in and of itself from beginning to end outside of time without ever having been written down. For the author, the story is timeless. You can behold the whole work complete in one instance. She goes on to compare the written form of the story to the incarnate word. God the Father brought into the realm of time through the Son. For the fiction writer who has a story, once it's written down and it's put into the limitations of the written word, this is the Son of God incarnate. And then thirdly, she describes the creative power of the story, the meaning of the work, and the emotional response it evokes in a reader. She compares this to the Holy Spirit. Each of these, she says, is equally the whole work and cannot exist without the other. This is the image of the Trinity. What an absolutely brilliant analogy to a sometimes difficult doctrine to understand. And just to recap, because I want to make sure you understand what she's saying, the idea is that God the Father is complete from beginning to end outside of time, just like the idea of a story is complete without having ever been written down. And then Jesus could be compared to the written form of the story. It's the same idea, but it's now written in the limitations of time and words. And then the Holy Spirit is the emotional and psychological and spiritual impact the action that the story evokes in the reader. 
I don't know if that hits you the way that it does me, but it blows my mind every time I hear it. I love it. All right, well, one last thing I want to share with you about Dorothy Sayers before we end our time is another illustration of a theological concept that she brings out in her art and specifically in her detective novel writing. I mentioned earlier that she was most well known for her Lord Peter Whimsey detective novels. And there's an instance in one of those novels where Lord Peter is in need of healing. And the way that Dorothy brings healing to her main character is that she writes herself into the story as a character under the name of Harriet Vane. And it just so happens that this character, Harriet Vane, is a mystery writer who graduated from Oxford University. And when Harriet encounters Lord Peter Whimsey, she brings healing to him. She brings restoration to this character. And through this, without ever saying it, Dorothy explains the doctrine of the incarnation of Jesus. She writes herself into the story to bring healing to her creation. That to me is a brilliant and creative way of explaining the incarnation through art. And it's also an incredible example of seeing art and theology work together. All right, friends, that's it for this episode. We'll be back again next week with our next full-length interview. So keep an eye out for when that one releases. And if you haven't followed us on Instagram yet, you can find us there at Makers and Mystics. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. And thank you to everyone who is supporting the creation of these conversations through our creative collective on Patreon. Your contribution makes a tremendous difference and enables me to dive deeper into our conversations of art and faith. If you haven't joined our creative collective, you can do so at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. I'll put the link to that in the show notes of this episode, and it's also on makersandmystics.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.